It doesn't matter what we think of ourselves, how bad we've been or how many rotten choices we've made. God offers everyone love and forgiveness. Yes, we need to repent for any wrongs we've committed, but then we need to make changes in our lives. We have to live as if Jesus is coming today, not tomorrow, not a year from now, but today. And when Christ calls, when he asks us to lay down our nets, lay down the ordinary everyday things we're doing and help him share the good news, we need to be ready to do it. It may seem like a radical choice at the time, but that's okay because we understand that being a true disciple of Christ is very radical. Welcome to the Real Word Podcast for the third Sunday in Ordinary Time, cycle B of the Roman Catholic Lectionary. I'm Brandon Jubar, and I'll be your guide as we walk through the readings for this week. It's an important process because we believe the scriptures are the inspired Word of God. But to really be nourished by the Word, we need to break it open and look a little deeper. We need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Now, the messages I get from these scriptures might feel right to you, but you also might find that the Holy Spirit tells you something else, and that is absolutely all right. So if you're ready, let's dive in. All right, as I said, tonight we'll be looking at the readings for the third Sunday in Ordinary Time, cycle B. Our first reading is from Jonah, it's chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 and verse 10. Our second reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, it's chapter 7, verses 29 through 31. And our gospel reading is from Mark, it's chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Just a couple of things to note. First, we have readings from both the Old and New Testaments. Jonah is from the Old Testament or the Hebrew Scripture, while St. Paul's letter to the people of Corinth is from the New Testament or the Christian Scripture, as is our Gospel reading. Now tonight, we'll see that Jonah gets thousands to repent. St. Paul says that time is running out, and Jesus starts building his squad. Okay, let's start by going through the readings, and then we can talk about the messages we find. As I said, our first reading is from the book of Jonah. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Our second reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. 
for this world in its present form is passing away. And finally, our gospel reading is from Mark. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. All right, so let's take a first glance at these readings and we'll ask ourselves, what does it mean? What messages and meanings can we find if we dig around a little bit? So from our first reading from the book of Jonah, you know, this is one of those readings where understanding both the context and a little bit about the book itself can really help you get the true message. Without the context and the background, the, the message seems pretty clear. Repent and the Lord will forgive you. So think of this line. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. It's about repentance and forgiveness, right? Well, not quite. You see, Jonah, the book of Jonah, is a satire. It's satirical fiction. It's made up. There, there was no prophet named Jonah, and the belly of a big fish wasn't his uber to Nineveh. Jonah was written after the Jewish exile in Babylon, during a time when Jewish leaders were telling Jews to stay away from non-Jewish people. So it's pretty clear that they were trying to keep their people from falling back into idolatry. But what happened was that they ended up creating really strong religious hatred and bigotry. The people started believing that God was for the Israelites and against any nation that opposed them. Jonah was almost religious slash political satire. It's only something like 47 verses long, and it starts out with Jonah running from God's call. Now, our reading tonight is after the big fish spit him out and he realized that he can't resist God. But here's the thing. If an Israelite prophet showed up in Nineveh, the home of their mortal enemies, they'd just beat him, stone him, kill him. They certainly wouldn't listen to him and do what he says. And then when they repent, everyone repents, and they all wear sackcloth for 40 days. Hmm, reminds me of Lent. <laughs> what we don't see in this little excerpt is that even the animals wear sackcloth. And we also don't see that after the people repent, and God forgives them, Jonah is pissed. He, he goes out of the city and pouts because he wanted God to punish the Ninevites. They're his enemies. He doesn't care whether they repent or not. He wants them punished. When you look at this short little reading from the book of Jonah, 
then the message isn't just about repentance and forgiveness. It's about the fact that God offers forgiveness to everyone, not just the select few. I know it's a theme that's been popping up a lot lately in our readings. It doesn't make it redundant. It makes it very clearly important. The story of Jonah used satirical humor to point out the wrong-headed beliefs that God's people were holding on to. And, and just like in the time when Jonah was written, oh, there's far too much religious bigotry today. There are far too many people claiming that God is for them and against the people they've labeled as their enemies. So the main message I got from this reading from Jonah is that God's love and forgiveness is offered to everyone and not just a select few. God doesn't choose sides and God doesn't pick teams. It's all of us who need to do that. And, and we either pick God's side of forgiveness and love or we choose to go against God. Because whether the self-righteous religious bigots like it or not, God's love and forgiveness is offered to everyone and not just a select few. Now, our second reading was from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And this is one of those readings that I find fascinating, or at least I'm fascinated by how some people deal with it. I think it's pretty clear that St. Paul thought the second coming of Christ was going to happen during his lifetime. When he says that time is short, he's being very literal. He really expected Jesus to come back any day now. Well, we have a couple thousand years of perspective, and because we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, we understand that what's important is that, number one, Christ is coming again, and number two, we really don't know when it's going to happen, so we better be prepared. Instead of assuming we have lots of time to get ready, let's be ready to go. What's fascinating to me is when people proof text the Bible pulling quotes out here and there, and then interpreting them very literally and often completely out of context. And they do it to support whatever point they're trying to make or whatever judgment they're trying to pass on others. But if you ask them, so you have a wife, and St. Paul says to live as if you don't, and to live as if your stuff doesn't actually belong to you, but you don't seem to be living like that. Well, they'll be very quick to tell you to either look at it in context or to consider their understanding at the time. Or, or they might even say, well, you can't take that literally. It might seem minor, but it's a good reading to illustrate why it's not safe to just take a passage from Scripture at face value, especially if you've pulled it completely out of contract, context. But... <laughs> But I digress a little here. The main message I got from this second reading is that we need to live our lives as if Christ is coming today. If we are true Christians, Christians, if we really believe and want to be authentic disciples of Christ, then we need to understand that it's not a part-time gig. It's not something we can put off till later. We need to live our lives as if Christ is coming today. And finally, our gospel reading was from Mark. And this is probably one of those readings that you're pretty familiar with. 
when Jesus announces the good news, tells people to repent, and then starts building his squad. (laughs) What I've always found fascinating is that he didn't go recruiting in the temple. He wasn't looking for great scholars or the keenest religious minds. He went looking for ordinary people doing ordinary things. And the power of his words and his presence caused those plain old ordinary folks to just drop what they're doing and follow him. Think about how ridiculous that must have seemed to the people around them. (laughs) What about Zebedee? His sons are like, see you, Dad. We're going to go see what this guy's all about. Now, keep in mind, John the Baptist was just put in prison. People knew that. You know, the crazy camel-hair-wearing, bug-eating preacher just got thrown in prison. And you're going to drop everything and go follow his cousin? But that's the point, isn't it? That's the challenge. Because here's the thing. We're ordinary people doing ordinary people kind of things. Are we willing to drop what we're doing and answer Christ's call? It's easy to look at this and think, well, Jesus was right there, physically, standing right there talking to him. They must have felt the power and known he was the Messiah. But they didn't. In fact, a lot of them didn't figure that out until after he rose from the dead. And maybe that's the point. They didn't know for sure, but somehow... Somehow they saw with their eyes of faith and listened with their hearts and they followed him. Now, in case you're wondering whether or not ordinary people can give up a lot in order to follow Christ, just look at how many people have given up family, friends, and even their livelihoods because of these crackpot online conspiracy theories. If they can totally commit to that level of lunacy, I think we can find the strength and courage to follow Christ to do what's right and just, to share the good news, and to fight for a a more just society. So the main message I got from our gospel reading is that we need to understand that being a true disciple of Christ is radical. Not in a bad way, not in a crazy way. Radical in that we're called to take risks for the benefit of God's kingdom. Radical in that we may have to change our lives dramatically even change our hearts and minds and follow Christ whenever he calls. And it may involve more than just metaphorically dropping everything to follow him. It may mean very literally dropping things. We need to understand that being a true disciple of Christ is radical. All right, let's sum up what we've talked about so far. In our first reading from Jonah, the main message I came away with was God's love and forgiveness is offered to everyone and not just a select few. In our second reading from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, the main message I got was we need to live our lives as if Christ is coming today. And finally, the main message I got from our gospel reading was we need to understand that being a true disciple of Christ is radical. It doesn't matter what we think of ourselves, how bad we've been, or how many rotten choices we've made. God offers everyone, everyone, love and forgiveness. Yes, we need to repent for any wrongs we've committed, but then we need to make changes in our lives. We have to live as if Jesus is coming today. Not tomorrow, not a year from now, but today. 
And when Christ calls, when he asks us to lay down our nets, lay down the ordinary, everyday things we're doing, and help him share the good news, we need to be ready to do it. It may seem like a radical choice at the time, but that's okay, because we understand that being a true disciple of Christ is very radical. All right, so let's step back and take a second glance at these readings overall, and we'll ask ourselves if our path has become any clearer. To do this, I like to ask two questions. So what? And now what? So what? Well, why should we care about this at all? Well, we should care because this world needs some good news. If ever the world truly needed the light of Christ, it's right now. I know it's easy to just hunker down during this pandemic, and I'm not suggesting that we go out, take off our masks, and preach loudly in the face of anyone who walks by. But is that what being a disciple means? Is that it? Thumping people with your Bible? Being fishers of people, catching people for Christ, isn't going to be done through shame, blame, or condemnation. It's going to be done through love. And People need a lot of love right now. Millions of people need a helping hand, and they need citizens of goodwill to come together and and support programs and policies that can get at the root causes of what ails our society. Anger and hatred won't make that happen. Only love can do it. And the last question I try to answer is, now what? What are we supposed to do, right? Where do we go from here? Well, I think there is one other lesson we can learn from today's gospel reading, and that lesson is that not even Jesus did it alone. He went out and actively recruited people to help him spread the good news. He then taught them what they needed to know, gave them the power of the Holy Spirit to help them, and then sent them out in pairs to do his work in the world. We can do the same thing. We don't need to do it alone. Find like-minded people and recruit them to the cause. Get them to start sharing a, a message of love and forgiveness, not, not a message of hate and vengeance. And no, I'm, I'm not saying that people should be held, shouldn't, or shouldn't be held accountable for the, the wrongs they've committed. Being a member of society means abiding by the rules and, and being held accountable if you don't. And unity without accountability is impossible if, for no other reason than because certain people would then hold unequal status, right? Certain people would have the freedom to do whatever they want without consequences while everyone else is held captive, forced to ignore wrongs against society t- in order to maintain the appearance of unity. And that turns unity into a facade, and that's not unity at all. So that's not what I'm saying. However, people can be held accountable in a way that respects the dignity of every human being and seeks atonement, reparation, and even reconciliation. It ain't easy, but we have to try. So with that in mind, here's your real challenge for the week. Recruit a friend to Christ's team. To use a sports metaphor, Jesus called some free agents to join the new expansion team he was creating. And like a lot of the players on expansion teams, those young players were pretty daring, 
They're willing to do their best and leave it all on the field. So now it's our turn. We can be the recruiters. It's time for us to go out, go out and, and do our best to keep on building God's championships team. So, so go out and recruit a friend to Christ's team. All right, before I go, I'd like to leave you with one more quote from Scripture. This is from John's Gospel. It's chapter 20, verse 21. And they're very important words from Jesus. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We've been called. We're being sent. It's time to embrace the true radicalness of our faith. All right, we have come to the end of our time here together. Thank you again for joining me this evening. I'll be back again next week. But in the meantime, I encourage you to use this as a starting point. Spend some time with the Bible on your own. Look at the readings we discussed tonight or find something completely different. Read through it a couple of times. Think about it. Pray about it. Open up not only your mind, but your heart. Break open the Word and then listen to what the Holy Spirit says to you. The Real Word Podcast is brought to you by the Real Values Project, Real Youth Ministry, and the Real Values Framework. Real stands for respect, engage, accept, and lead. For more information on the Real Values, please visit keepingitreal.club. And finally, the Bible readings used for this podcast are from the Holy Bible New International Version, Copyright 1973, 1978, 1984, and 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide.